0: Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected.
1: Good morning, Team Krulak community, and on behalf of Marine Corps University, the Marine Corps University Foundation, and the Brood Krulak Center for Innovation and Future Warfare, welcome back to the Broodcast, our series designed to connect the worlds of the warfighter and PME with the best in innovative and creative thought. I'm your host, Major Ian Brown, Operations Officer at the Krulak Center. Before we begin, please remember that all opinions expressed here are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views of Marine Corps University, the United States Marine Corps, or any other agency of the U.S. government. To today's episode, as we've been uh, announcing in the past episodes and and aggressively on our social media, this is the 100th episode of the Brewcast series. Um, it's pretty pretty remarkable um, that we've kind of made it this far because it, it didn't start really as a deliberate effort to, to create a... A, a, a regular webcasting product. It was, it was sort of a COVID um, contingency at first, but here we are 100 episodes and we've been incredibly fortunate, um, really fortunate to have uh, the guests and the discussions that we've had here before. So uh, we thought it was appropriate to mark the 100 episode with a special interview here with uh, one of our, why well, should say one of our very own, the director of team crew like here at Marine Corps University, Ms. Valerie Jackson. She is in her fifth year as director of the Kulak Center here at Marine Corps University. And before coming to the KULAC Center, she was an arbitrator and nonprofit board member in Dallas, Texas. She also has more than two decades of federal service, most of it as a United States Marine herself, in which she currently holds the rank of Brigadier General in the Marine Corps Reserves. She's and commanded Marines at all levels throughout her career, and has also served as an instructor at the Marine Corps Civil Military Operations School and as a senior editor and field historian for the marine corps history division and her current reserve, uh, excuse me reserve billet is down at second marine expeditionary force down at camp lejeune um so while she's directing us here also very busy on the reserve side you know keeping an eye towards the especially the european theater where uh marines have their own special set of responsibilities so ma'am uh, pleasure to have you here on the program with us um before we kind of start getting into our our retrospective here happy to let you have you have any opening comments
0: okay yeah th- thanks Ian and th- this is um quite an honor for me and I'm just I can't believe I, I really wanted to have some uh, some champagne but I figure it was a little bit early but a hundred episodes um, I I never could have imagined that this could have been so successful but um, I, I should have had uh, I should have had a better vision I guess of of what this center can actually do based on, you know, what it's done through its past history. And so um, I thought um, when you're ready, you know, I could just go through some of the brief history and then talk about some of the highlights for me. And then maybe, you know, what I think the center can do in the future, um, unless you want to kind of let that happen uh, more organically. No, I I
1: think that that'd be a great way to start, ma'am. And in fact, I, I think, you know, talking about your vision for, you know, um, of what this place could be, you know, you can kind of, we can roll right into that, you know, when you first came here, you know, when you were hired, what was your vision? What did you expect and and how has it unfolded?
0: You know, it's funny because in my interview, um, I was asked that question and I want to say it was actually uh, Jay Hatton. Jay, if you're listening, um, I know you're not, you're not on camera, but maybe Curtis, you can tell him. He asked me, hey, what do you see in five years? What do you see this center being? Um, And this is really before I knew kind of who I would have on the team. And little did I knew my team would change from year to year, um, but I said, I see this center as being the mark. This, the center of excellence of organizations of its type, you know, across DOD, you know, as as Marines, um, the few, the proud, all that we also like to be the best. That's sort of the, the, uh, the unwritten subtext there. And I figured, you know, if we're going to do something, let's do it right and make it uh, a center of excellence um, across DOD that everyone can look at what we were actually going to do for me at that point in the interview. I really was unsure, (laughs) Um, but it wasn't until I got here when I saw who I had, you know, on my team and sort of what the need was, both from the university's perspective to operationalize the quality enhancement plan. And then, you know, what the schools and programs needed that I kind of put the the mix all together and, and we started uh, rolling down the track of um, of creating programs and programming um, to to really get this up and off the ground.
1: So, ma'am, I think um, I, I, you know, the, I know there's folks in the audience who, you know, and I'm looking at the list here, there are folks who sort of, you know, been here you know, they got in at the ground level, but also yeah. some who may have, you know, sort of found us after a couple of years of operation. So, um, maybe if you could kind of explain like, you know, so operate, operationalize the QEP, you know, for those in the audience, not familiar, wh- what is the QAP? What, what did that mean to operationalize it? And then how has, you know, how, how has the center sort of expanded beyond that initial mandate?
0: You're right. So the quality enhancement plan, um, is what the, the university, um, you know, uses as a as a backstop to underpin all its programming for a period of time to to maintain accreditation, so it can give out uh, master's degrees essentially, and uh, you know, still still uh, qualify as joint PME. And so, for the period of time starting in 2015, for the university, the the goal of the university was strengthening leadership through creative problem solving. Um, and so they, it created the Krulak Center. Uh, it was, it's gone through a couple of name changes. In fact, we used to be, um, when I first took over the Brute Krulak Center for Innovation and Creativity, um, before that it was the Center for Innovation and Applied Creativity, and there was some back and forth with the acronyms and people saying BK CAC and BK KIC. and I just, I didn't like any of that when I, when I got here, so I just kept it Krulak Center but I, I instantly knew that um, we needed a name change, you know, right after I took over, I have a, my board over here in, in the office, I you know wrote down Crew Krulak Center for innovation and future warfare. And I dated it September, 2018. I got here in July of 2018. Cause I knew, you know, who we had for resources inside the center at the time. And then what the schools and programs needed, um, it was a lot more tangible than innovation and creativity. And so what I knew I needed to do uh, based on pretty much from, you know, commander's intent from, from uh, general Bowers at the time, who was the university president, you know, he, he said uh, in my in call with him, Hey, get it up and, and get it relevant. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was pretty much my commander's intent. And so, you know, who we had on staff at the time. At first, it was just me and um, one Marine, um, Rob Arant, uh, now retired. Uh, and then we quickly coalesced the university foundation funded Donald Bren chairs underneath the Krulak Center. And that was, again, the university president's uh, decision to do that. Um, and these were gentlemen that were all subject matter experts in various fields, but weren't getting a lot of play, you know, in the, in the curricula of the university. Um, Despite their enormous talent. Um, And so I said, okay, we've got, we've got these gentlemen, you know, how do we get them plugged in? And so that, that was our first um, sort of line of effort. And then the university president was really hot on um, writing, getting Marines writing and writing quickly. Um, So we had a a writing contest right off the bat. Um, And then we, uh, then we quickly uh, picked up our share of uh, of the innovation summit that was later on in the um, later on in the school year, uh, and then we had actually a scholar program start right away, right off the bat. We had uh, an energy chair for that first year, and he got um, he got some students involved in um, in studying expeditionary energy, which was exciting for us as well. Um, so yeah, so that that was that was the first year, and so what we what we needed to do was show tangible outputs. Of how we strengthen leadership through creative problem solving. So by creating not only a physical place in the Krulak Center um, that that we're both in right now, um, we also created um, you know a a later on you know largely virtual due to COVID, but but community of interest um, as well. So where we could have this creative exchange um, of ideas. You know we're not a we're not a like for those that don't know, you know we're not making widgets or solving um, you know technical problems here we're, we're a liberal arts organization um, but it it is both a a place that again that is that is different than the rest of the university but a place where people can come with their ideas or you know with um, programming to get after that creative problem solving um, idea. You might notice in your the people that can see um, both my wall and Ian's wall here, we, you know, it's sort of like a light grayish color and light and, you know, the light colored furniture and his turquoise cube, like all that was completely intentional on my part. I wanted people to f- even physically feel different because I, you know, I know that location has uh, and physical surroundings have a great deal to do with um, the creative process in general. I think if you lived a little bit, you you realize that, you know, when you go into a, a typical military organization, you know, everything's very standardly painted. Um, well, I wanted this place to physically feel different when people walked in, too. So it was, everything we did was very um, intentional, all with the eye of supporting the goals of the
1: QEP. Great. Thank you, ma'am. And so I, I think uh, another point you mentioned in there was the, the changes that had gone on. And I think it's, you know, as a center, that's that's always supposed to be forward looking. You know that does imply change but there's also been a lot of changes that just you know were you know were sort of happenstance you mentioned COVID, but um maybe if you could sort of tell the audience like how the center has you know shifted and changed and flexed over the time that you've been here um because i I know that you know i I wasn't here right at the get-go um you know but you know the, the cubicles and everything you just described that didn't you know day one that wasn't even here and now um now that's grown but you know and i think uh no two years here have been the same, whether it's in structure or mission. So maybe like I, I think can you can you lay out some of the, the changes and the, the adjustments and the the, the opportunities, because I, I think that's part of the great story. What the center has done is that, you know, from that from those initial bare walls um, and in uh, very open floor concept, because there were no cubicles or anything else. Right. Um, how, how have we changed and, and, and shifted to meet the needs over the years?
0: Right, so, so one of the things that I really wanted to ensure that we did was remain flexible to the, to the needs of the, uh, the schools and programs, 1st and foremost. And then I also started to see, you know, opportunity with, um, the fleet and supporting establishment of, you know, bringing the goodness that we had at the cruel center to them. So, bringing, you know, PME to them and and the brand shares again, university foundation funded, um. They were already doing a lot of this, uh, and so that first year, you know, they were carrying that Krulak Center flag for us, literally around the globe wherever they went. So, sort of raising awareness of not only the Krulak Center but of MCU um, as well. And so they would teach, you know, electives at Command Staff College. They would teach periods of instruction inside the um, different schools and programs. But they were also very active um, that first year and beyond. Um, doing their own, um, you know, professional development programming, you know, all of that. And then we had, um, I think, maybe three writing contests. We started the newsletter and then supported the overall university effort of the of the Innovation Summit um, that year. Uh, <clears throat> the following year um, is really when you came on board, Ian, and, and we got um, you know a couple new staff members. We still had the brand chairs. Um, I think that's when you first pitched the idea of doing a podcast and, and really my philosophy, my. You call it command philosophy, leadership philosophy, whatever is, is standard, whether I'm, I'm wearing this or, or I'm in uniform and it's equip and empower. I feel like that's my job as a leader. And so with every new crop of people that came to the Krulak center, and we were fortunate to have the brand shares, uh, for, for two years. But the, the Marines, you know, changed out um, and, you know, we also very fortunately uh, assimilated Middle East studies um, that year uh, and then we've also grown to to house war gaming and the center for regional security studies. The Chris, the former um, and. And let me just talk about that for a second that was that was a you know again university seeing that you know we, we need to embrace the war fighting principles of of unity of effort and and mass and we have all this goodness but disparate efforts why not you know consolidate them in in one area and then we can all sort of push in the in, in the same um direction but getting back to to equip and empower you know i i was looking around and and i like to do this you know and really um, employ people in their strengths. So if you have an idea, you wanted to do something, um, you had you know, either a, a writing prompt idea or a project idea, you know, I, I don't think I said no to one thing that somebody pitched me because my thought process was, look, I am by far probably the least creative person in this organization. Um, but I, I am pretty good at um, identifying people's strengths and, and um, supporting them and letting them run. And that's exactly, you know, how we've had the successes we've had over the years. So each year, you know, I sort of did that evaluation. Okay, who, who do we have on staff? What are we doing? You know, what can we do better? And what, what was, I don't, don't wanna sound silly, but really magical about what happens in this place is literally we'll sit around the table and you have uniformed people, you have PhDs, you have contractors, Um, everybody different experiences different education levels um, you know different nationalities you know whatever they come in and we'll talk about one central idea um, and you get this this incredible exchange of information so the so creativity you know playing out before us and then innovating new ideas right and that is really some of my most gratifying time when we can all Sit together and think about how to collectively solve a problem, or get after a programming challenge, or you know, s- s- you know, provide support to an organization in a way that we haven't before. And this broadcast is is probably one of two best examples. You said you wanted to do a podcast, and when COVID hit, we were just getting our lecture series off the ground, um, and we were having trouble. And that was, you know, and it continues to be one of the challenges, you know, getting groups from across the university all together in one place at one time, because everybody has their own, you know, predetermined schedule and battle rhythm and things like that. So finding that common uh, white space is, is a challenge. Um, but, but when COVID forced us online, and this, you know, the, the stars aligned for you to do your um, your podcast and for us to start our lecture series and for us to showcase the talent that we have in the Krulak Center, you know, that checked a, a bunch of boxes. And, you know, look where we are now, you know, episode 100. And another example of that is Destination Unknown, you know, the, the graphic novel PME tool, right? I, I very distinctly remember getting the call from then Major Yang, um adam yang and he and he was a weekend and he was he was driving somewhere and it was you know he had a crappy connection and so i was trying to figure out what he was saying he's like i have this idea for a graphic novel um you know would you support us at the krulak center and all i could think of was the um the manga novels that uh my daughter used to read and i'm like (laughs) i don't like to say no this is my internal dialogue i don't like to say no but i'm having trouble like how do i connect this to war fighting and lethality and you know what we do inside pme and marine corps university but the more he talked and the more i more i realized that okay we've got you know the majority of the marines in the marine corps are 25 and younger and you know the age of my daughters and that's that's probably the group that we need to get after with this type of product then i said okay yeah let's let's do it um and that thing now you now we're about to, to crowdsource crowdsource uh, volume four right that I don't want to get ahead of the announcement, Ian, but, but more to come on that. Destination Unknown Volume 4 is shortly going to be uh, underway. So, so really, that's what we've done year to year to year. We've done a little bit of roadshow activity. Again, that was hampered by uh, COVID. But I, I, you know just the virtual platform of being able to touch people literally around the globe with what we do here and get them to interact with us, um, that, that's been uh, probably most gratifying.
1: All right, thank you, ma'am. And yes, more to come on Destination Unknown, Volume Four here in uh, in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you're following us and uh, or getting on our email distro. Um, but I think that that story about then Major Yang is um, it, it does sort of encapsulate that um, haven't said no yet philosophy. And I I think I can I can back that up. I don't think there's been anything that's been sort of just you know dismissed out of hand, which is kind of remarkable because we brought you some pretty crazy like bonkers stuff. Um, and I, I, sometimes sort of expect that, you know, this is going to be the, the one time we finally sort of pushed it too far, but, uh, you know, but, you know, it, it seems to have worked out with episode 100 here and volume four, du yeah. about to get put together?
0: I'd like to, if I could, for a second, before you jump to your next one, I, w- I want to give a shout out to, to the university leadership. So, so not only did they, um, you know, Dr. Johnson and. Uh, mr jakes and general bowers and the vice presidents you know they supported me too you know when i would ask them for some hey can i get non-traditional you know paint color (laughs) or um by the way uh and i definitely operated on the um you know it's better to uh ask or beg forgiveness and ask permission like i i was doing things over here i was sort of left alone um but, but it was good. So, you know, but I was, but I was resourced. I was given some people, I was given a a budget, albeit small, but that's all we needed at the time um, to kind of do what I needed to do over here. And they just, they just left me alone to do it. And um, so that, that's a, you know, a a good leadership gem too. You know, if you want someone to do something for you, you know, give them the resources and let, let them go, you know, give them some left and right lateral uh, limits and then, you know, off, off we went. So I, I really, a lot of our early success getting off the ground the way we did and so fast was due to them kind of just letting me run. Um, so I, I appreciate that and wanted to give them all a, a shout out.
1: Absolutely, ma'am. And that actually feeds very well into the next sort of question point here is that, you know, regardless of the the changes, um, you know, whether it's, you know, structure or where we were physically located, whether we were at home or here during the COVID time, you know, one of the, you know, the, the paybacks has been to have, to have an impact to do something of value to the university so you know over the course of the five years here what are some of the programs that you're most you know you've seen as the most impactful and that you think you're sort of most proud of from a you know feeding back to the the mcu community the students and faculty here
0: um this broadcast is definitely um one of them um I really, it's hard to, it's hard to measure the impact of destination unknown, but I know that thing has enjoyed a great deal of popularity, probably more. So outside the university or with our enlisted populations. You know, inside um, the college of enlisted military education, um, or MCSIA as it's known. Um, now, um, what we've done with the scholar programs, I love that. I love the scholar programs because they're open to all students. So you don't just have, you know, majors or lieutenant colonels or captains, you know, studying one problem, doing a deep dive during their academic year. You know, it's, it's Marines from across the, uh, the spectrum, civilians to civilian students. Um, that to me is enormously gratifying. And then to see, you know, university professors that we are supporting, that are uh, conducting that, um, those scholar programs, whether they're, you know, from in-house here, um you know Mez supporting the krill scholars or dr weber when he did that as our, our uh, you know russia subject matter expert um or you know the command and staff college professors whatever being able to support people with their ideas and then bringing them here together to physically meet in the crew center i love that to hear the exchange um to watch the students grow and really uh you know take advantage of all that this place and by this place i mean marine corps university has to offer them during this year um, where, they're, where they're in school.
1: Hey, thank you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I, I'll throw in from all, my own sort of personal perspective here is one of the, the programs, you know, I personally enjoy the most has been the chance to teach the, the homegrown elective over at Command & Staff College, West. which some, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but another one of these, you know, I think uh, just kind of letting people run with it is a, an elective um, generated by the first operations officer here I believe he's now Lieutenant Colonel Tim Raymond. if I'm- Yes, he is. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, and you know, he he just came up with this thought of a, a peer-to-peer taught elective of majors teaching majors, but it's not even, you know, us teaching them. It's a, they're teaching each other. It's a very loose framework of an elective where the students are given, you know, they're, they're given sort of the challenge of a, a, you know, what we try and offer, which is something more, you know, intellectually advanced. Um, they pick the readings they teach each other and we're just there to kind of, you know, schedule, keep the lights on and make sure that grades get input. But um, that's been, uh, uh, it's been hugely enjoyable to facilitate, but also I I think from the center's point, it's worth a little bit of humble bragging on in that it's been picked up every year that's been offered. Um, And, and that's not the case with every elective that is pitched there. And and that's not to say that, you know, it's, it's better in terms of quality or what have you, you know, it's a challenge because I think the students like to, Take hey, they could, t- they take them all if they could, right? They only get to take a couple. But the fact that yeah. we've, we've always met the threshold, um, I think has been pretty impressive. And it's a testament to you let you get you let Tim take something and run with it. And, um, it's paid back to command and staff ever since.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know, and I know, uh, and it varies each year because of environmental things, whatever. But, but usually the group continues to meet well after the elective season, which I, you know, I doubt there are any other electives that have a continuing sort of connection like that and that to me is you know proof positive that that is uh, some sort of magic formula right there um that that you know where good ideas come from and it, it continues to manifest you know throughout the academic year well after elective season is is over so yeah that was a that was a huge um you know that was that was a gamble for sure um but it was, you know, completely on on Tim's shoulders, and he said, "Hey, let's just see if this works." And um, hugely successful. And then you've picked up the torch and carried it extremely well ever since. So, yeah, that's that's one of our one of our hallmarks for sure.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Next uh, to any command staff students listening, help us keep it going here. And that's right. I'm January 2020. Get the word out;
0: you'll miss out if you don't sign up.
1: Talked about the university impact, but I think it's also been pretty remarkable to watch. The, the impact and the outreach and influence the center's been able to have outside of MCU and outside Quantico um and you mentioned you know our road shows a little bit man we, we've also done a fair amount of traveling in some other places um, sometimes we sort of have invited ourselves but other times it's been by request to go go do something so if you want to maybe you know hit some of the the highlights for how the center's impacted you know both the, whether it's the fleet or even partners and allies outside of the uh, outside of Quantico here
0: yeah, I I uh, I didn't mention, you know, so um for those that don't know, I mean we are a relatively uh small, you know, organization with um you know, four federal workers, you know, federal contract or federal workers, four marines, one army, soft, um uh, five contractors, you know, and then we have 33 non, you know, non-resident fellows, but they're not resident with us all the time. But what we what we have that sort of exemplifies what um, you're talking about, Ian, is that we have two visiting scholars, one from the Swedish Defense University and one from the Norwegian Defense University College. Um, And they have come to us based on, you know, our outward facing programming and our outreach. And, and, you know, Wargaming has a great deal to do with that. And and, uh, now retired Colonel Tim Barrick, who's our Wargaming director and all that he does, to bring visibility to what happens at the X Center and at the Marine Corps University, um, you know, doing, um, you know, war, war gaming in any kind of format that you can think of and then really getting the the cloud up and off the ground. I mean, that has brought a lot of visibility to what we're doing, but, you know, we, we have visiting scholars here, and that to me, you know, is another mark um, of success. People that wanted to come here and be with us and be among us to uh, further their own, um, Research, but you know we were invited back in um, I guess late winter to a springtime conference in Sweden, um, Swedish Defense University, uh, for you know uh, essentially a leadership conference for you know mid-grade professional officers. Um, It was you know co-hosted by the Swedish Defense University and the Finnish Defense University, and and uh, you know next year we we hope to go to Finland to to see the second um, iteration. Of that, um, we invited ourselves, uh, you know, to a European road trip prior to just prior to COVID. In fact, I think we were we were um, in in the UK when the first case of COVID hit, uh, and it was a couple in Scotland or something like that. And uh, anyway, um, so you know, we allies and partners over there, you know, from the Germans to the folks at Sandhurst, Chaser. Um, you know, Marfor a year, uh, and we had plans to do that out at Mar for Pack that got, um, you know, squashed by COVID and getting out to three MEF and, and all of that. Um, but I think we've been to, beside uh, we've been to one MEF, we've been to three MEF um, individually, I believe, and then we've been to uh, to two MEF uh, pretty often um, as as well. So, I don't know. The people keep coming to us, and we keep getting the requests to go out. And uh, again, that to me is extraordinarily gratifying. But the, the idea is not to not to be selfish with all the goodness that we have here. And whether it's a wargaming request, or a request for pre-deployment training, or it's a um, you know a request to uh, you know to, just to share some of the knowledge that we have here to focus students in a you know. Uh, a non-resident seminar at Command and Staff College or EWS or whatever it is, we try to get the university and Krulak Center people, you know, out, out of these four walls, you know, where they're, where they're needed. So again, I don't like to say no to any of those. And we try to support, you know, anytime we can.
1: Yes, ma'am, you mentioned uh, our our trip to England and COVID. I remember we were just like, I think that case was in Newcastle. And we were like, literally like 20 clicks down the road from there. Yep. You know, we're all like, we're like, we got we to get out of here and <laughs> before anybody starts asking questions. Um, no, but I think that you, you mentioned the pre-deployment stuff. I think it's worth pointing out here as well. One of the uh, the, the benefits of sort of bringing in the former Kay now the Chris under here is the major bearman at the Chris has been like, he does operational culture and pre-deployment stuff for the fleet. You know, that's all him. But now being under here, he's been able to plug into some of the resources we have, like for example, you know, meshing wargaming as a pre-deployment thing, or bringing in uh, um, folks like our our regional experts, like Dr. Yuval Weber, and now that we have Mr. Dan Rice here as well uh, as our China expert, you know, being able to offer you know kind of some advanced pre-deployment training rather than you know uh, some you know a few slides or a booklet or something can bring some real regional expertise to it. Um, so that's, that's uh, it's it's one of the benefits of fusing everything over here
0: yeah and i and I would be remiss if I didn't mention you know when um the evacuation of uh, uh, Afghanistan last year and and Operation Allies Welcome and Task Force Quantico that was here just on the other side of the base, um where second MLG essentially came up and ran uh, a camp a camp upshore turned into you know a a staging area for Afghan um, refugees coming in. To, before they could get processed, um, you know, through to other locations in the United States, you know, Major Behrman supported and Dr. Tarzi supported big time. Director of Middle East Studies as essentially the cultural advisor to the commanding general, you know, out there to ensure that the the stay for the Afghans was you know as culturally appropriate and sensitive as possible, um, and that we you know their needs were getting met, and you know he could he could literally interpret you know. You know what was required out there for the marines and make sure that that operation you know went as, as smoothly as possible and so he that was a great deal of personal sacrifice on uh, of on his part but it, i mean just a, a a great you know golden star example of you know the kind of support that people in this center provide you know the greater marine corps
1: absolutely ma'am and it's always a it's even in those tough situations it's a good it's good to know that you know if somebody is you know, calls up and says, I need, I, I don't know right. where else to, to look for these resources. I need something, you know, pretty much every time we can say, yeah, we can help you just tell us when and where. Right. And go get after it. Um, all right, so I kind of, we've looked at sort of how we got here impacts here at the school impacting um, out across the fleet and our network across the globe. Um, what are some of the, the things you want the center to, to look at in terms of future impacts, you know, with that future warfare piece that's in our title uh, what, you know, what's coming next? What do you want us to start getting into in the next couple of years down the road?
0: Yeah, I think as, as um, and I know we are, you know, pr- principally unclassified here in the, in the work, you know, that we do. I think there's uh, an ability for greater interaction with um, the Warfighting Lab uh, and with, um, you know, uh, MCCITIC as we, we do the force development side of, you know, the changing nature of the uh, Marine Corps. Um, You know, I I want, again, this place, even if, uh, you know, we can only assemble a a few students at a time or it's university professors, you know, there's a great deal of knowledge and expertise um, here at the university that I think could be brought to bear on these conversations that are continuing, you know, as as we continue to evolve as um, a service. And so we can we can do that to a certain degree at an unclassified level, and I think we could we could be that um, interaction sort of that nexus point for those organizations. And I know we do some of that already, especially on the wargaming side. But I think we could broaden that and really have more of an impact, you know, with those conversations. And and that's a focus area for me for this upcoming year is is really widening and deepening those connections, sort of internal with those. Quantico organizations that are working on that force development side right now for the Marine Corps.
1: Great. Right, thank you, ma'am. And you know, to so those in the audience again, if there's uh, you see something here down the road that you're looking for some assistance on, and the uh, the you know the resource and experts we have here can contribute to, you know, follow us and let us know. Um, we're we're open on DMs on Twitter and elsewhere, and uh, and via email as well. Uh, so if you have something you want to to look at and, and tap into us for, we're here. Let us know. So, Ian,
0: before we get into the questions, I want, you, you know, you talked about messaging and, and all that other kind of stuff. Um, I remember when uh, when Tim Riemann started our Twitter page um, and we got up to 500. Uh, I think, you know, maybe he called some of his friends to say, hey, today I want to get up to 500. And we needed like five more or something like that. And it was like it was a huge celebration. That we have 500 followers on uh, on Twitter. So I know I asked you for this number Friday um, and it's hopefully it's grown, but I had, um, 11,000. Oh, I lost it. 11,000 plus now following us in our, in our community of interest, which is absolutely mind boggling to me. And I know it's going to continue to grow, but that is, that is all due to you principally your efforts, what you do with this broadcast and what you do for social media for us. So, I wanted to make sure that you got your special special recognition that you deserve for those efforts. Because that's awesome. And that that doesn't even capture it, so thanks.
1: Well, thank you, ma'am. And That makes it easier to explain to my wife back at home why I'm spending <laughs> all my time on my-
0: Thank you, <laughs> you Bree. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: all right, great. So I uh, got a few questions coming in here in the chat here, ma'am, so we'll, we'll go to those. Okay. Uh, make sure we, we get the audience stuff. So. First one is from Albert Lee, who I know has been a longtime follower and audience member here for the broadcast, especially. And uh, he just mentioned that at some point we'd send him a coin back out there in Malaysia, and uh, we're on version 3.0 of the coin now. So I guess we owe you, owe you an upgrade. Um, but his question is: uh, So we talked about the broadcast. as initially it was a COVID, you know, contingency to to sort of find a way to stay stay relevant while we were digital. Um, as things reopened and we went back towards in-person events, uh, kind of, um, I don't know if this is a question for both of us, but what, for yourself, ma'am, what sort of niche do you see the Brewcast filling from now on? Um, is it, is it a greater accessibility metric? Um, is it a, um, you know, is, is it more than that? Is, is it, a, is it a, you know, a, a product? Is it a product now? Do we offer, you know, products? Um, what are, what do you, what do you see it as down the road?
0: Um, I mean, I I think one of the greatest things about this is that we record it and post it. And, you know, I listen. I listen to uh, if I can't tune in, you know, um, Spotify, um, you know, when I'm working out or driving or whatever, and I'll catch up on the broadcast. So you can listen to it, the programming, anytime, anywhere, Um, you know, uh, university professors or whomever can you know assign an episode as homework. Uh, and again, it's it is not just a conversation that takes place at a, one point in time in a stuffy classroom um, with people taking notes, uh, pen and paper or on a laptop. And then that's where the information stays. It gets captured and broadcast, you know, around the world. And so I don't see that changing um, if people have specific things they want to talk about. And that's happened before on the broadcast, you know, people that wanted to come on and talk about X or people that we ask to come on, like the ACMAC and Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, you know, then we give them a platform to talk about what they wanna talk about. And I like preserving the space to, you know, talk about anything that's relevant to the Marine Corps. And and we've done that, you know, talking about, you know, uh, the women's initiative team to, you know, military history to drones and you know adult learning methodology and you know like everything in between and i want to preserve that because you know i i think that's where um sometimes a conversation is lacking there aren't a lot of places centered around the marine corps or even the other services for that matter where you can have that type of discussion
1: great thank you ma'am and uh it feeds well into our next question here from Nela mengel who again another longtime follower audience member of the brewcast and uh, she has a position over at the National Museum of the Marine Corps, who as uh, as a docent. And I know that we've we've had a lot of actually some really great contributions, great from the-
0: support from them and the Heritage Foundation. I should have mentioned that up front. In addition to the University Foundation, they have been huge supporters of ours. So thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so her question to I again, this is the kind of both of us. But um, who would who would be the dream guest for us to get on the broadcast here? In the future, um, I, I have a couple of, of my own I can mention. But ma'am, who would your dream hmm. guest be? Go ahead,
0: Ian. You go first.
1: Okay. Um, well, I know uh, when we I first pitched this, I think I made <laughs> you a promise to get. Bill oh, Belichick. I know what you're going to
0: say. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Yes, I promised to get Bill Belichick on here, and I have failed to do that so far. Um, maybe I maybe I can pull that together here in my in my remaining time. Um, you know, ho- hopefully after the playoff season, because you know I want him to be busy come come uh, come uh, come december and january um in zappy we trust um but i think uh I, I guess also i i never expected we would ever have access to folks like the assistant commandant of the marine corps and the sergeant major of the marine corps when this first started so i feel like if we could get general Berger on sir i know your staff knows we exist um the doors always open and that would, that would be great to kind of like complete the set there uh in terms of having some of those you know, top senior leadership access, um, sending their message directly out to our audience on there. But uh, so, yeah, I, I, and I, <laughs> it's funny, I think that the Commandant's more achievable than, than Bill Belichick, but ma'am, who would yours be?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, I no, I think um, uh, I think the Commandant would be amenable to it. I don't wanna speak for you, sir, but, um, you know, should your schedule allow that, we would love to have you on. I would love to have General Krulak on, you know this. This he's been obviously a huge supporter of the center, named for his for his father. You know, much of it is behind the scenes, but um, I would like to to give him the the opportunity to come on and uh, and and be interviewed by you, Ian, because I think that would be sort of the um, the icing on the cake for um, the next best best thing to having um, General uh, Brute Krulak on here to to talk about what the center has done and. What it means to to him and, and to his legacy, and I would love for him to come on, um, and I will work on inviting him uh, this year to do that. Um, along the the Belichick uh, theme, uh, I would love to have Tom Brady on, and I, my husband may or may not hear this this episode, um, but he knows that I am a longtime fan of Tom Brady, and and you know not for some reasons that people might think, but I honestly think, and I know he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, but to have such a sustained level of high performance over a career that, you know, should have ended a long time ago, um, you know, there's some sort of magic formula in that guy's head or psyche or whatever. And I would love to, uh, I'd love to try to get inside that and, uh, and hear from him and, and see what the applications might be, um, you know, across, uh, across uh, into the Marine Corps and, and how we are as professionals too.
1: All right, ma'am, so Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yep. No problem, I'll send out the invites tonight. Patriots I, Nation,
0: if you're listening.
1: All oh, right, they're, they're gonna get tagged when I post this post this
0: <laughs> Okay. Oh,
1: and uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be knocking on the door as soon as they hear. Awesome. All right, so going a couple more questions in the chat here. Um, and they're sort of related, so I'll stitch them together. And uh, from Lieutenant Colonel Curtis Kobeck, who was our, uh, I guess he's still honorary team crew lack, although he's moved over to VPAA now um, to assume uh, you know, important duties over there as well. And then another from Albert Lee to sort of tie it up. So um, I guess down the road, specific things that um, the community can look forward to. I, and I, I, let's, we could put this at the end, sort of through this academic year, and then moving beyond that academic year, um, are there some, speci- a specific priority or a couple of priorities for public outreach that you would like us, like the center to work on Kind of summer 2023 and onward. So let
0: me let me start with uh, with that one. You know, I really want to leverage having uh, Nord from uh, Norway and Henrik from Sweden here. And you know, as we uh, NATO assesses um, uh, Finland and Sweden um, into into the organization, what does that mean for NATO? What does that mean, you know, for the Marine Corps? And I and I like the fact, you know, we we all recognize the pacing threat. That you know our service is aligned against, and that's that's China, and you know everybody's um, indo pacom focused, um, but not not everybody. So you know, 2MEF is not. You know, you mentioned that's my my reserve home um, right now, and there is a lot of good work and support going on to you know that theater, um, that is you know doesn't always uh, make the make the press. You know, and also you know there are Marines doing great work in Southcom. As well, and Marines in CENCOM. So all that, all that continues. So I like highlighting and focusing that to first of all, you know, bring bring notice to those folks, and and second of all, to to reassure and support the notion of the, the Commandant's um, posture statement, saying that hey, you know, what we're doing for force design is still applicable um, in other theaters, and I think especially the Marines in Tuameth have played that out, you know, over the past several months, especially. Um, so I, I, I like highlighting that. I would like to continue highlighting that um, because the, the core is doing a great job and, and you know, the focus for, for one and three MEF out there at uh, Indopaycom. So maybe it's a little bit of bias. I don't know, but um, I want to focus on, you know, all of the efforts of the core outside of Indopaycom as well, because that gets a lot of um, attention. Um, I'm also really excited again, Destination, Unfo- uh, Destination Unknown version four, you know, the methodology for that is a little bit different. And I, you know, I'll let you talk about that um, a little bit more um, for for this coming year. Um, and then, you know, some of it, I, I want to leave a mystery, you know, the, the big question mark, because, you know, anytime and this we, this happens every June when we try to do our budget, right? We try to project, you know, what are we going to do this academic year? And we ha- have ideas and things that we'd like to do and support, but every single year, without fail, that changes. And there's always something big, you know, in the in the third quarter usually that comes up that we that we, you know, know we need to support or want to support, and that it's something that's totally unforecasted. So by remaining sort of on the balls of our feet, we're able to do that. So. If we were not an organization that could do that, um, we might have to consider another another name change.
1: Yes, ma'am. And I'll I'll take a couple of seconds if you want to talk about the new approach for Destination Unknown yeah. Volume Four. So, um, for for the past issues, it's been a how do I put it sort of maybe a more artisanal approach, if you will, where we sort of very um, deliberately selected and or you know reached out to garner interest for people who wanted to do contributions. And in some cases, that was just you know there was a timeline, and we had to you know we had to use the people who we could reach out and grab. So I think for for Major Yang and Major Austin Duncan, who was uh, another one of the plank holders of the yes. Destination Unknown series, um, you know that would that was them. They they pitched you the idea, and then they had to go execute. So you know to to get it to happen on a reasonable timeline, it was a lot of you know I'm you know I know you, I'm going to grab you. Do you want to write a story, kind of thing. You know, yeah. um, again, Tim Rehman, he, he was here, he contributed a story. So that was, you know, that that's sort of easier to control your own destiny. Um, but from each episode on, we've tried to expand the aperture for who the contributors, tr- uh, contributors are. So volumes two and three, we had, you know, joint service contributors, Army, Air Force, Navy, uh, even entry level folks. Volume three, we had Air Force Academy, we had Naval Academy. Um, but again, those were all sort of like by invitation, you know reaching out to a fellow or some other contact to, uh, you know, to sort of not voluntold, but a a crafted invite to get them in here for volume four. We're going full 21st century, um, you know, digital, digital, democratic approach of crowdsourcing. So for those listening uh, we mentioned the announcement is going to be coming, but this is the first one where we are, going to extend an open, open invitation for contributions. And that is, not just around the fleet. That is, if you're, if you want to send in a story with artwork, um, it's going to be open outside the Marine Corps as well. It's it's truly crowdsourced. This is send us your best, and we don't know who it's going to be. I'm I'm certainly not a planning. Uh, I'm not planning on extending specific invitations. We're going to see what we get, and so this is a very, uh, very unique opportunity to, um, to really to, to, you know, our whole perspective of. You know, we want you know diverse and varied inputs because that helps us think better that gives us more data points we're throwing the doors open now to the world literally give us give us your best vision of what some future conflict might look like and we'll have a specific writing prompt to help with that but or we're going to crowdsource it and we're very excited to see what comes back because we've seen the talent we've gotten when we've sort of invited uh folks in it's going to be amazing to see what we what we get just ex- extending it to truly global talent
0: And so, and I saw the comment by Albert Lee just now too. And so, Hey, if you want to write and get someone else to, uh, to, to illustrate and you, win uh, you know, you place and you get your story in in the volume and you get prize money, then you just have to split the prize money. That's all. And there's going to be, there's going to be big money for this one. Uh, again, supported by the university foundation for what it does for PME for the, for Marines and Marine Corps and the university, uh, press. That we couldn't do this uh, without them, so we're we're grateful for our partners in this venture.
1: Yeah, yes, ma'am. They've been a huge part of uh, of supporting this from day one as well. And to Albert's point, I hear you because I can't draw either. But you know that this is why we. It's a team effort. It's a. I, I think we've we've only had one story, maybe one or two, that were written and illustrated by the same person. Everything else has been a team effort. So go find yourself an artist, right? You you provide the the text and the idea go find someone to draw it for you um and I, I can i can speak from experience where uh it's been amazing to take like just just the, you know you know words and some basic descriptions and give it to an artist and see what they make of it and they will show you things that you never thought you would imagine you know how your words can be brought to life so um hey, it's okay just just write it out and go find yourself a good artist to bring it to life I got, I think one more question here, and then uh, if we don't have anything else, ma'am, we'll we we'll wrap it up after that. But so uh, Captain Matthew Ward, also one of our residents here, we're not residents, but part of the, the MCU team, noting that uh, on the brewcast, we've had, you know, deputy commandant, we've had senior commanders, enlisted advisors. Um, for the senior commanders, I think we should note that among those, you know, the non-Indo-PACOM focus, we had Ten General Bellin and we had Major General Donovan specifically to talk about you know, Southcom and UCOM, and what the Marines are doing in those areas, mm-hmm. which has been you know fantastic to share those perspectives as well. Um, do you do you recall was there a a certain guest or episode or, or theme though in the past where it looked like the broadcast sort of finally hit critical mass and, and was taken off?
0: That might be better for you to talk about. Although I will say, a year ago when you talked to Dr. Tarzi, um, you know about the Afghan withdrawal and the, and the things going on in the Middle East, again, as our attention has been um, pulled or, or, you know, focused rightfully so, again, you know, the, on the pacing challenge, and then, you know, continuing to pull us back to, you know, where Marines are fighting or what significant world events are, you know? So so maybe the, the ones last summer, I think you did a couple, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but for me, that, that was, and I remember again, I was listening, um, I think I was doing yard work, you know, you had just recorded it uh, or wh- whatever it was. And, and it really hit me like, like holy crap, this is, an, this is a, an organization, this is a an event, this is a, a format where we can talk about, you know, real world impact, not just sort of, you know, the intangible um, ephemera of academia sometimes you know like this this is this is 100 for real and then what you and you've all have done with down the rabbit hole talking about ukraine um that to me again enormously gratifying because you know we we talk about a lot at, at the university about um you know things that happened in the past uh and maybe you know what what we need to prepare for in the future but talking about you know current world events um and the import of this platform really kind of came home to roost for me like last August, probably, and then reinforcing fires, excuse the pun, in, uh, in February with um, with Mr. Putin's war in, in Ukraine. How about you?
1: So as you know, ma'am, I, I watch metrics very closely yeah. um, and may be, um, that maybe that's not the right answer, but- Are you gonna I, let
0: the numbers tell you when it was most important?
1: Well, so there there they're actually two. Um one kind of covers the rabbit hole you just mentioned, man, but The other one was um I do remember the first episode that uh cracked a thousand views on the YouTube channel, and that was the late art Corbett's look at military innovation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the the innovators dilemma. And um we didn't know it at the time, um, but that was one of the last, if not the last, sort of sort of, you know, public time he gave that lecture. Yeah, um, And I think it was two weeks later he had, he was just gone and it was shocking, yeah. um, you know, but that one, you know, uh, aside from the fact that it was, it was, it was shocking to look at, we just, you know, he, he looked so well and he was so, you know, still so like full of energy the way he is when he talks. Um, and he's just like, it's all in his brain, you know, all, all of that right. stuff. I uh, felt very fortunate that we were able to capture that at the time, but I also thought it was appropriate that the first one to crack a thousand was him. Because, you know, anyone who's listening, if you haven't watched or listened to it, go back and do it, because it's very much a look at, you know, it's the challenges the Marine Corps is going through today in terms of reorganizing and and reforming itself. You know, how do we do that? How do we, you know, how do we maintain core capabilities while changing a lot of our stuff to deal with future challenges? You know, but it's also just a good look at, you know, how how an organization can either stay vibrant and relevant or not, or stagnate. You know, and he talks about the difference between... Netflix and Blockbuster, right? You know, innovation and adaptation isn't just a military thing; it's it's a thing out there in the real world too. So, um, that was fan, a fantastic episode, and it was uh, uh, definitely one that deserved to crack a thousand views first. But then I'll also note on the on the rabbit hole side, this is where where I, I like I stop understanding what the internet does and why it does it because I couldn't ex- I, I couldn't explain it. I was just happy that it did. But there was one episode of the rabbit hole, and I think it was like number seven or eight, where. Um, over within 24 hours, it had like plowed through 3,000 views, and this was unprecedented to any episode we'd ever done. Um, and I couldn't explain it. For, at first, I was like, you know, are we like, are we just getting pushed by you know bots out there doing it? But,
0: um, Ukrainian bots, <laughs> yeah,
1: Ukrainian whoever it was, I'm like, I didn't believe it at first because it was so so different from any of the other episodes we'd done in terms of you know both the numbers and how quickly we got up there, but. As the rabbit hole series has gone on um i don't think we've had one that's quite gotten up there but we've had a, a lot that have gotten close and though, those are consistently the most watched the most listened to things we do um and so it's uh i know i think you all and i kind of share the the same opinion we wish we didn't have to do it but um we're fortunate to have access to someone like dr weber um so long as we do have to do it we have access to someone who's who can provide you know real you know real time and insights in, in, in the na- native language and native thought processes of, you know, the people who are, um, who undertook the war to help us understand it. So, um, you know, I, I still don't fully know how we got all those views. Um, but it was, um, it, it many people were watching and listening and they found it relevant enough to listen to. And, uh, I'll, I'll put a plug in for him again, as well, from some of the, like the post school surveys we've gotten, the down the rabbit hole series has been consistently gotten like top marks and great feedback. And uh, we're we're fortunate we had someone like him, you know, in place at the right time when we needed him to give us give us the students and then our wider community the insights that we needed when we needed them.
0: Yeah, and again, and I'll I'll bring this right back around to, um, you know, maybe it's it's another good leadership lesson lesson because especially in the in the DoD or the military, I mean, you you very rarely. Well, especially if it's mostly, you know, government or, or uniform, you know, you don't always get to pick your team. Um, and I, you know, very few people um, you know, ha- have we gotten here that it's, you know, hand selected. You know, mostly it's like, okay, we, you know, I hey I'd like to come and, and you know, you sure that'd be great and let's um let's see how the cards fall and then and then they're they're hired or they get orders here or whatever. And you're a prime example, like. It, what a long shot to try to get you here, um, you know, as an aviator, uh, and and you know whatever sort of um, you know dark arts needed to happen over there in the Marsh Center <laughs> with your with your monitor to get you to come here. What a what a godsend for sure to have you here at the Crew Life Center, but you know the 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 contractors and the brand chairs, like all of that, um, you know, it's just been it's just been amazing to 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 watch people. It's literally been a stone soup situation. What do you have to offer to the center? And everyone's bringing their thing. Um, and before you know it, you have this amazing tasty stew, but I think, you know, the, the director previous to me was Dr. Jeb the and he, before he left, he said to me, um, you know, it's amazing what we've done here in the last uh, year where you bring people with all these different expert, you know, expertise areas, and, and they've created this beautiful, beautiful symphony. And so alone, you know, the trumpet sounds okay and you can play a certain so- sound and the clarinet and the snare drum or whatever. You bring that together with the strings and all the other instruments that everyone brings and focuses again in this one center, this one area. And we we have just created some, some beautiful music. And so you of you know, I, I might be the conductor, Ian, but you know, but your uh, your first chair violin. If anyone knows music, you know that's that's pretty important. So um, anyway, I know that wasn't uh, that that wasn't on the line of questioning, but it just just highlighted again to me, you know how lucky and fortunate I've been to have such an amazing team.
1: Well, great, thank you, ma'am. And I think that's a, a good note to wrap things up on here as we're coming up to about an hour. Um, so any, any any final thoughts or or previews you'd like to share with the audience before we end it today?
0: Final thoughts or previews that we haven't talked about? Hmm. Stay tuned. Um, you know, this this year is again you know underway. We have our incredible scholar programs that are that are going on. We have the Reynolds Scholars. You know, uh, looking at issues of WPS and the Krulak Scholars headed by our Mez team, looking at uh, you know energy focus um, through Sancom uh, and Ucom uh, areas, especially. Um, And then we have our our Ellis fellows and looking at how small, uh, smaller powers, you know, can overcome larger powers um, in warfare and all the things that go into that. Uh, And I want to see what those student outputs are for the year. And then uh, and then, you know, Colonel Tim Barrack is doing just amazing work with with Wargaming and, uh, you know, working a lot of extra hours and and nonstop to support uh, this week and last the joint staff and, uh, you know, everybody in between and students um, first and foremost throughout the schools and programs. I'll to say it's an, it's an exciting year with a small staff, um, but, you know, come next summer, we're, we're going to lose a bunch of folks. And so we're going to look different. Um, and so we're going to have to reinvent ourselves uh, again. And so while that to me is personally very daunting and sad in many respects, you know, I know it's going to be an incredible uh, challenge. And like a phoenix rising from the ashes, the Krulak Center will be, you know, once again recreated. So I look forward to uh, executing our incredible programs this year, and then what's to come um, in the years in the years to follow. So, thanks, Ian. Thanks for your professionalism in the way you've executed the broadcast for these 100 episodes, and I look forward to the next 100. You got short time to, to make it happen before you, uh, before you fade away.
1: Yes, that's all right, ma'am. I'll, I'll sleep at some point you know, in, in 2024, make <laughs> sure uh, we get those next 100 out. So uh, I, I, I guess we'll uh, ending with that, but also we can note that episode 101 is already uh, scheduled and in the shoot. So for those in our audience, you wanna join us this Thursday afternoon, kind of going back to um, General Jackson's point about you know our Quantico agencies and helping future impact to the Marine Corps. We're gonna have uh, Marines from the Weapons Training Battalion Quantico, just across the highway from us here, who are going to talk about a lot of the changes that have been going on to um, the annual rifle qualification and the combat marksmanship. That you know, we as Marines, every Marine a rifleman, right? That's the that's the ethos. Uh, well, how does that get executed in in you know, a 21st century you know battlefield? What how do we how do we make the 21st century marksman? So they're going to tell us how. So they're going to talk to us about the advanced marksmanship training program and infantry marksmanship assessment as part of building a Uh, A lighter, more lethal, more commando type force under force design 2030. And uh, this feeds well back into some of the episodes we started out this season with, which, you know, talking to the assistant commandant and talking to uh, Sergeant Major and General Donovan and those folks, there's a lot of change going on. And, you know, the the concepts are all well and good. How does it impact, you know, the Marine on the battlefield holding their weapon? Right. That's what we're going to talk about, because this all has a practical application. So we hope uh, if you haven't registered already, please join us for that and uh, as well as for future episodes because they I've, I've apparently got 99 more i gotta, gotta <laughs> schedule here before i punch out of here next summer um all right well man, thank you much uh very much for your time okay. uh couldn't have asked for uh, uh a more suitable guest for our 100th episode today and now i got to figure out who we talk to for episode 200 um as we get there <laughs> and right. to, our, to our audience thank you as well for joining us this morning and we'll have this posted here shortly for uh, the rest of the community so again thank you all and we'll see you on the next episode
0: Thanks, everybody. Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected.